welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today. Well, today on the show, we're going to talk a little about pasture management. If you've got any questions for us about that or anything that's happening on your farm, you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. One of the reasons why I love my job is people give me a lot of tough questions from time to time. Yesterday, Darren, I had an interesting one. This wasn't really a question, but somebody said, they go, how much dicamba in furrow do you think it takes to kill corn? And I said, I don't know, probably quite a bit. And they go, well, we found out that six ounces will do it. (laughs) So sometimes mistakes happen on the farm. Somebody grabbed the wrong jug and they put out six ounces to the acre of dicamba in furrow and corn, and that killed the corn. I said, boy, I, I really thought it might have been more. So it's hard to know for sure, but you think about how concentrated that is. And it's it, it's kind of like we say often here on the show that the dose makes the poison. So I don't care what we're talking about, the dose makes the poison. So it, with dicamba, very safe to corn when you're spraying pre-emerge. Uh, very safe to corn when you're spraying up to about V2. You can even run a pretty high rate, a lot more than six ounces to the acre. But if you're going to concentrate it right in the row and right on a tiny little plant, well, then it's whole different. So anyway, uh, like I say, sometimes mistakes happen. Fortunately, this is only on just a few acres, so it was no real big deal. But it is interesting when you have certain things come up, you you live and learn, and it's a lot of these past mistakes where we learn some of the, the best lessons we can ever get, and then that helps us in other situations just understand overall crop safety and so on. Okay, talking about our topic today, pasture management, we brought this up on yesterday's show. Somebody asked a question, or they were talking about grass management, And I just made the comment that, look, if your heart is in grass management, so in other words, pastures, you can absolutely do a lot of great things. It's just that for a lot of people, they think as pasture... They think of pasture as just out. Oh, it's out there, whatever. It's it's kind of okay. I'll maybe throw a little nitrogen on it. We're going to call her good. If you would treat your pasture like you treat your corn crop or your soybean crop or your cotton crop or whatever it is, um, the odds are pretty high you could raise more grass. And while we don't really think about pasture as a crop, that grass is a crop out there. So treat it that way and it can respond. So we often talk about drainage, fertility, rotational grazing, weed control, insect control. There's just a lot of things to it, and we're going to get into all of that today. Right now, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. First question comes to Ryan up in northern Minnesota. He said, hey guys, hope planting season is treating you well. We are wrapping up our last couple of fields, hopefully on Thursday. We're running 32 ounces of prowl, six ounces of Authority Supreme as our pre on soybeans in conventional till. We're going to be going into a dry period, though, for the next week to 10 days. Is there any worry in spraying the pre without rain before the beans are emerged? Also, could we just wait and spray this right before planting, 
or was there a different way we could apply it? Gotten mixed answers so far. Okay. So first of all, Prowl is not labeled north of Interstate 80 for use after planting. Okay, you can use it before planting, but it's not labeled for use after planting north of Interstate 80. And where Interstate 80 is, that run through like Des Moines, Iowa, Omaha, Nebraska, kind of through that range. So, yeah, if you're in northern Minnesota, you can use the Prowl pre-emerge uh, if you're going to incorporate. So we would call that pre-plant incorporated. Or you can just do it pre-plant. That's, those things are fine. But if you say, well, I want to plant first and then I want to spray this, no, that's not labeled. And the reason why is because if, let's say, you do get a big rain right as the beans are coming out of the ground and the prowl is still all laying right there, it's possible that the prowl at a very high concentration could get into that plant and cause some stock issues. It's kind of like what we were talking about just a little bit ago with that concentrated rate of dicamba getting into a plant right when it was germinating. Uh, that, that can cause a problem. So anyway, is it an issue if, let's say, you put it out before planting you, you wait a few days, you plant, and you still have had no rain. Yes, there's going to be some degree of risk there. Uh, not a lot of risk for loss. There's a slight risk of crop injury. I'm not super worried about it, but it's always possible that a slight that there could be some slight damage out there. So we do prefer tillage. Not only does that basically safen it for the crop, but it also spreads it out in the soil and means you need less rainfall to get it activated. So yeah, we're going to prefer that you do tillage or you just need to spray it as far in front of planting as you can, if at all possible. All right, let's uh, jump to the phone lines. Get Dave calling in from Minnesota. Hey, Dave, how are you? Good, how are you? Excellent. So what can we do for you today? I got a question here. I had a, I don't know, just like you're saying, mistakes. I had co-op came out and spread about 30 acres of fertilizer for me here on Monday okay. morning on some ground that was way too wet to be worked. Yep. And I, I typically will work it the first time, spread the fertilizer, work it again, let it sit for a day and plant it. Yep. Well, so they spread it on Monday, and it was 85 degrees here the last two days with full sunlight. Yep. Wondering, wondering how much loss I got. Yep. Uh, that. Are we just talking urea, or is there something else? Uh, it was, what was it, the 120, 70, 35, 12, 12 <laughs> Okay. Yep, you got a bunch of stuff there. All right, so yeah. with urea, you have 48 hours. So I, you're, the studies have shown basically even when it is hot and sunny, you're really not going to lose much of anything at all within 48 hours. So if it was done Monday and now it's Wednesday, you're perfectly fine now. You're going to start losing it after this unless you get rainfall or get it covered. Um, hey, Dave, if, if you want to talk more about this, hang on through the break. We just got to take, take a quick break here. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. This is Ag PhD Radio. This whole midnight ride thing is getting real. But the HPPD resistant weeds are coming. We've got Verdict Herbicide. Verdict Herbicide? Yeah, it's a non HPPD corn pre herbicide from BASF. Well, well then, get some sleep. Yeah, will do. The weeds are coming! Switch to Verdict Herbicide! Always read and follow label directions! 
Back with multi-year proven results, Torque drives performance. Unique to other biologicals, Torque can be applied with other chemistries. Use in furrow or side dress to increase mycorrhizal associations, enhancing root development. Learn more about Torque at thinkbiological.com or contact your local retailer and ask for Torque today. Novozymes BioAg, Think Biological. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today. We're talking pasture management, but we're also taking your calls and questions. If you want to call into the show, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. It's what Dave from Minnesota did. Uh, right before the break, we were talking with him about this fertilizer that got spread out there on Monday. It was a 120 70 35 12 so there's phosphorus, potassium, and sulfur in there. I'm not worried about loss of any of those. What I am worried about is the loss of the nitrogen. Now, fortunately, it was only 120 pounds, and fortunately, it's only two days later at this point. So as of right now, haven't really lost anything. Over the next couple of days, I would expect, if it's going to be 85 and sunny and windy, um, you might lose 10% a day. So I guess my biggest question for you, Dave, is did they put a stabilizer with it, or is it any type of controlled release nitrogen or anything like that do you know or is it just straight urea no it was straight urea okay yep so yeah you're you're at risk for losing some coming up pretty quick but let's just talk through the math on that real fast if let's say you lose 20 percent in the next two days and that that's probably pretty high but let's just say it's 20 percent well 20 percent of 120 pounds is not that much. You're talking, you know, 24, let's call it 25 pounds for easy, easy math. 25 pounds. I mean, yep, it's some loss. It's not like it's the end of the world. You lost 10, 15 bucks an acre, maybe 20, depending on what you paid for that nitrogen. So, I mean, you might just have to side dress a little bit more later on. Uh, so again, nothing where I'd go, oh my gosh, this is a complete disaster, but still I'm with you. Uh, it kind of stinks cause you're most likely going to lose a little bit unless you can get that covered pretty quick or luck out and get a rain. Right. The other part of the question there was, uh, I guess I was going to move that ground over to beans. Yep. Being it's this late in the year okay. and it was still so wet. Sure. 
can you do that now, or is that just asking for trouble? No, I, you can absolutely do that. So we've we've put way more fertilizer than that on soybean ground. It's just fine. We put high doses of manure on ground and put soybeans in. I mean, we've done all kinds of things. It's just fine. You'll hear some people talk about, well, you don't want to put nitrogen on for the beans because they get lazy. I really haven't seen that unless you have very high rates of nitrogen, like several hundred pounds. So I'm not too worried about 120 pounds. And realistically, it's probably only 100 pounds by the time you get it covered or a little bit less. It's no big deal. Now, is it possible it'll make the soybeans just a little bit taller? Sure it is. Uh, But other than that, no, there's no reason why you can't plant soybeans out there. I would have zero reservations about doing that if it was mine. Okay. Yeah, that was my bigger question there. So. Yep, no problem. Okay. Okay. Hey, thank you very much. You bet. Thanks, Dave. Good luck out there. Yeah. Yep, have a good day. Talking about pasture management on today's show, and, and uh, it's always a fertility topic here when we're talking about raising anything out there in a field or on soil, and we get Caleb Patterson with us right now to talk a little bit on the fertility side of, of managing pastures. How are you doing, Caleb? I'm doing great. How are y'all doing this afternoon? Pretty good. I, I think this part's interesting because if I would have asked this question 30 years ago, a lot of people would have said, well, it's just get some nitrogen out there, Darren. And now, just like out in our crops, there's been a lot more focus on some of the other nutrients, sulfur, micronutrients, all these things, even when it comes to pastures, trying to get more production. What have you seen out there, Caleb? And, and where does it start when you get a customer that says, hey, I'd like to manage my pasture better to get more grass production? Right. So, you know, typically, like you were saying, it's been all about nitrogen, but, you know, um, there's been a lot more focus on these things, and we're starting to see the need for more potassium, more micronutrients, uh, you know, and typically guys have been working with row crop situations. Uh, I've found that uh, in the pasture, uh, you know, we need to get back to that soil sample and, and have a visit about uh, what your yield goals and expectations are. You know, it's it's always important when you're, you're working on the farm and working on what you're trying to accomplish here to, to understand what those goals are and working together with everyone on your team is really important. That soil sample is a big deal, and we've seen that too even on our own farm. There There's needs out there. That pasture has needs just like the rest of the crop ground. Absolutely. So you mentioned the potassium one, and that's that's a big one. We're we're certainly always looking at, at potassium on our crops. What do you notice in the pasture? Are there there's some things that you would see out there? Is it slower regrowth, or uh, do you notice some discoloration or anything like that when you run short of K? Yeah, so you just basically, you know, have have a plant. You know, a lot of the places we're talking about are rain-fed areas, so you're having to deal with a lot of stresses and a lot of uh, lack of moisture, things like that. So that potassium is going to help you uh, get through those situations while you're waiting on that next rain event. Yeah, it's you just never know, and we, we talk about crop ground, that there there isn't that much uh, percentage of crop ground ground that is irrigated on pastures it's even less so we've got to make sure we've got the nutrition there available the other thing that i think too when we we look at nutrition i just think if we're feeding the soil that soil's feeding the grass 
And if that grass is going to feed your animals, you want to have all the nutrition in there that we can have. And uh, Caleb, you mentioned the micronutrients, that, that that's a big deal. Is it products like Micro 500 and Micro 1000 blended micros that go out there? Or are you seeing guys targeting specific micros just going one at a time? Uh, in our particular area, you know, in the Texas region, um, we have been using a lot of Micro 500. But there's certain areas that, you know, uh, due to the soil samples and looking at the CECs and things like that, where we're just having a hard time uh, and we need more zinc, uh, more iron, um, things like that, uh, to, and manganese as well. So um, we're kind of using the Micro 500 and then adding those extra things in there uh, as needed. Caleb, uh, we just had a question come in from your area from Bob down in Texas, and he said, just wondering, as you're talking about this nutrition, can you put nutrients like nitrogen out there while the cattle are grazing, or if not, how much time should you allow between when you apply those nutrients and when the cattle can graze again? Uh, most generally, just depending on the rate. Uh, we've been you know, putting things out there, even with the cattle out there, um, but, uh, you know, just to be safe sometimes, sometimes there's some herbicide that guys are running at the same time, and you might want to look at that label and see if there's any grazing restrictions as far as that goes. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of pasture acres out there, and getting that soil sample to begin the process to find out what you need and then applying those nutrients is the way to go. I've been talking with Caleb Patterson here with AgriLiquid down in the state of Texas. Caleb, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. You bet. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, I want to answer that nitrogen question. Our recommendation is going to be, no, we do not want the cattle out there when you're putting nitrogen on because cattle will eat anything almost, other than not, unfortunately not like some of our weeds. Not like but, goats. Yeah. But, but anyway, uh, the point is, is it possible that your cattle could get sick from a bunch of fertilizer being out there? Yes, it's possible. So ideally what we would prefer to have you do is do use rotational grazing and then spread that nitrogen pri just prior to a rain. If it's not going to be just prior to a rain, you're going to need a stabilizer. Otherwise, you're going to run into the same issue that we were talking about a little bit earlier in the show, that, that nitrogen could go up in the air after a couple of days. So use a controlled release nitrogen or a nitrogen stabilizer. Do something there. And then once you've gotten good rain, so half inch to an inch of rain, then you should be good to go and you can turn the cattle back out there. So, yep, we would encourage you to do rotational grazing, put the nitrogen where the cattle are not, and now you're in pretty good shape. See, in our area here, I was just, as a matter of fact, looking up uh, during our last break, how many days of frost do we have? Well, on average, like right here where we farm in southeast South Dakota, about 170 days a year. <laughs> so it's basically half. So here's my point. We don't have a very long growing season. We don't have a lot of time for this for cattle to be, even be out in the pasture. It's about five months usually where we have cattle out in the pasture. So a lot of people here will just put nitrogen out once per season, maybe twice. But other areas, I mean, you might be putting nitrogen out every month. And, and we totally understand that when you have a lot more rainfall and a lot longer growing season. So anyway, yeah, just keep the cattle off, put the nitrogen on after rain. Now the cattle can go back. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. 
See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trifold Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at TrivoltInAction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Nothing but net. Win your soybean season with the fast knockdown and lasting broad-spectrum control of Elevest Insect Control from FMC. Take on army worms, stink bugs, soybean loopers, and more with the maximized ratio of premier active ingredients for better overall control of more than 40 labeled pests. Visit your FMC retailer or elevest.ag.fmc.com to up your game this season. Always read and follow all label directions. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. back you're listening to ag phd radio we're broadcasting from the morton studio today taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD or you can email us radio at agphd.com talking pasture management on the show today and we get clifford with us he's down in the state of texas how you doing clifford i'm great great good to be on thank you well, I know pasture management gets a lot easier if you get timely rainfall and you have this awesome growing season. That doesn't always happen in the state of Texas. So how do you get around those challenges? Well, uh, either a big bulldozer and push it off to the place that's getting rain or uh, say your prayers and uh, let it happen. <laughs> well, we always say up here, you have to go to church twice on Sundays. That That's the only way to accomplish anything. 
Well, we've been under such a drought. We're in central Texas, and we are on the cusp of the really, really bad, nasty stuff. But we have been blessed here this last six weeks with an extraordinary amount of rainfall, and it's come in uh, usable chunks as well, not just a big gully washer all at once and it's gone. So we have actually uh, been put off of our spraying program because of too much rain, which is an odd thing to say. But uh, uh, it looks like first part of next uh, month we'll be doing our spray program. We have a more of a homestead size property, so it's hard to get the big boys to slot you in, just come out and spray. So our uh, smaller acreage uh Pretty much, if you don't do it yourself, it's just not going to get done. So we've got that going on. We raise cattle, and uh, primarily, and uh, you know, just I've discovered I need to have a heart for raising grass, and that's what I've. I'm learning more about it, and I think I'm going to do a much better job this year, even though I'm off to a late start. And I've got a program going into uh, cool season grasses, which I've not ever done before, but. I'm going to make that happen as well. Interesting. You know, just yesterday on our show, we had somebody sent in an email and, and had some questions, and, and that was his goal, too. His wife and her family were real big dairy people, and they're excellent with the cattle, but he said, my side of the, the business is going to be raising the best grass possible, and he said his goal was to raise so much grass that they had to buy more cattle. So I don't know if that's your goal, too, <laughs> Clifford, but maybe that's a good oh, one to yes, shoot for. Yes, it is. So we're going to be putting out a bunch of, uh, I don't know if I can say a brand name or not, but it's Duracore, and uh, our grass is not going to be leaving our property, so we can use that. And uh, we're not we're not selling milk or any, anything like that, so we're going to use that. We got rid of most of our prickly pear. We had, I had talked to you a couple of years ago, and we got 90% of awesome. the prickly pear out of here. And now we've just got to come in and, and clean it up and I wanted to get a lot of the uh, weeds that are growing now, you know, knocked down really good before I come in and fertilize it to build up the grass. And then I'll, you know, give it 10 days, two weeks, and then I'll shred it, knock it down to about six inches so the grass has a chance to outcompete the weeds. At least that's my plan. Yeah, yeah, I like it. And I like uh, that you're going to fertilize things too and try and make sure you have the most healthy grass you can possibly have. I I don't know. You're on a, you're on a great track here, Clifford. Maybe that rain will just keep coming and, and life will get easier. Well, uh, between all of us having our fingers crossed, it's hard to type these days, but yes. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, Clifford, great talking to you. Glad to hear about the prickly pear too, that you got that under control. And you're going to like that Duracore. Have you been using that now for a couple of years? Uh, I used it two years ago and, and liked it, and uh, elected to use it again this go around. Uh, I'm still new at this, and it, it's you know for a newbie, it, I thought I got pretty good results with it actually. Yeah, yeah, it's been a nice product. I love those two mode of action products. And I'm, right now, I'm planning on seeing you guys uh, on that the fourth uh, Thursday in July. I think it is right. Awesome! That would be big, great, uh, Clifford. Yeah, make sure you say hi when you're up here. I'll do it. I'll do it. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. And bring some of that extra rain, too, if you got any of that. We, we're going to need it the way it looks this year. I, I'll put it in a big box for you. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Cliff. Uh, let's head down to Arkansas. Got Miles on with us right now. How are you doing, Miles? Hey, good afternoon, guys. How are y'all? 
Good, good. How are you guys hanging in there down in Arkansas? Is everything going good? Well, actually, just um, as we speak right now, we're mowing our first bit of hay for the year, trying to recover pasture lands from uh, from the severe drought last year and uh, implementing uh, new grazing techniques to try not to get into that same situation right now. You're talking rotational grazing? Well, we rotate already, but we're, we're uh, going to implement a... a uh, a very intense grazing program of uh, having several cattle on with uh, daily to every or daily to two times a day moves to try to better better utilize our ground that way. Uh, just kind of kind of got bit last year with the the drought and all and everything we've been reading and some of the uh, uh, tests we've done. This is starting to work out pretty good. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's a little more work, no doubt about that. But if it helps the pasture survive a little better and gives the best possible feed for the animals, I would have to imagine the gains would have to improve too. It does. It does. It actually lets you run more cattle per eight, more pounds per acre. Um, but like you said, the biggest key is training yourself and then training and or adapting the cows to it. You know, because you're you're making them really work for their money and. Um, that's at first it's i think it's harder on the grower than it is the uh the animals yeah <laughs> yeah that's right well hey we can take a little bit more work but we can't make it rain and we can't make the grass grow so so this is a good strategy i think well it's it's definitely we were it was terrible last year and like i said we're just now starting to cut hay because it is we've had nothing but rain but now it's starting to look like you know, may stop here in a little bit. So they're forecasting it to be worse than last year. And, you know, now with the cattle prices so high, it's uh, it's hard to replenish. And we're wanting to add to the herd. We never had to sell last year, but we're about 250 short. And right now you just can't afford with all the input costs, even with the high prices. I mean, it's, it's not even, you can't even afford it right now. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. We we do get a lot of contact from non-farmers, and they'll notice something like, "Oh man, the cattle prices are high. Farmers must be doing great," but they don't understand what all the inputs are that go into that and all the challenges along the way. Well, Art, I figured that up the other night, uh, doing some spray and having a beer in the tractor, and I figured it, it, our input costs are going up about fifty-five to fifty-eight percent, depending on which ranch we're at. Wow. wow. So, I mean, just from uh, a couple years ago, and I mean, yeah, the, the cattle prices are great. I'm not going to balk at it, but my goodness, it's just it's just hard to do it. You know, when you go and everything is going up so high, yeah, the prices are great. But when you run the numbers, you're really not making much more than you were a few years ago, but spending even more. Yeah, yeah it's a lot of dollars that a guy has to shuffle through just to make a, an okay living for sure. Well, and especially with the interest rates trying to buy new property, my goodness. But yes, sir. Well, Miles, uh, I know in the past we've talked about some of the weed control challenges and that type of thing. Did you find different weeds now coming out of the drought than you had before, or are there are some that have been particularly tough? Well, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the weeds that's hit us the hardest this year is twofold. One of them is the buttercups because a lot of ground has gotten overgrazed last year due to the drought but we're getting hammered on some of our uh our newer ground and whatnot with uh, the canadian thistle 
I mean, they have just come in with a vengeance this last year. Yeah, yeah, tough weeds, no doubt about that. Well, uh, if you've caught some rain and we're starting to get some grass growth again, more intense grazing pro- programs with ro- rotating a couple times a day, that kind of stuff, it's going to be interesting to see the impacts on, on these weeds. Certainly not going to do the weeds any favor. So good luck to you guys, Miles. Hopefully the rains keep coming, the forecasts are way off, and you have a great year anyway. Thank you, guys, and once again, thanks for the program. And thanks for helping us, and you have a uh, great year, and hopefully you get lots of rain as well. You bet. Thanks, Miles. Yeah, I hope we do too. We're talking pasture management on today's program, and most of the pasture doesn't have the benefit of irrigation. So we're talking about management of that and how to get the most grass and the best feed for animals. Stay tuned. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. When you pull your side dress bar out of the shed, Do you dread the time and expense of replacing worn colders and bearings? There's a better way. Hi, Greg Souter, 360 Yield Center. 360 Wide Drop for side dress bars is a quick, low-cost upgrade that cuts maintenance costs. Plus, you're likely to get a yield boost from moving nitrogen from the middle of the row to the root zone. Save time, money, and boost yield potential with 360 Wide Drop side dress. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma.
You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio, and we've been talking about pasture management on today's program. But if you have an agronomic question, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD, and you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Let's head down to Georgia. Got Patrick on with us right now with uh, an animal issue happening out in his fields. How you doing, Patrick? Hey, how you doing? Good, good. What can we help you with? Great. Yeah, I was listening yesterday, and I knew deer were a problem because I've got problems in the cornfield. I didn't know they were that big a deal for most farmers where they can do as much damage as insects or fungus. And uh, I said, golly, you know, down in our little old area, yeah, we have deer problems. I'm just wondering if there was anything you could place on the corn, like a spray or anything else you could do to maybe deter the deer from wanting to come and want to eat the corn while it's coming up? Patrick, excellent question. We get this a few times a year. I I would just say, as a general statement, no, there's nothing much that we can spray on there that's going to do a whole lot of good. Now, we've had people come on the show and tell us... uh, coyote urine. You go out and spray coyote urine. There was a guy from, I think it was North Carolina last year, swears by it. They do it in their area and it works great. And he told us the the rate they were using was very low and the cost was very low as well. So if you can get a hold of coyote urine, he said that's the best thing. We also had a guy come on the show and say he goes to his local zoo and gets the lion and tiger manure and spreads that on the borders of his field where the deer go in, and they don't like that, so they stay away. Um, <laughs> beyond that... Kind of, that, I, that would be kind of... A- <laughs> Out of my line, doing something such as that. So, be, yep, beyond that, our dad uh, tried to tell us one year, don't put Endros on uh, the field. And I'm like, what? what? Yeah, and he was like, oh, no, the deer aren't going to cross it then or something. I, I, we did whatever he said, and it didn't make one bit of difference. So, we, I mean, everybody right. comes up with ideas. I, I right. We're in an area, too, that has lots of deer. And if you go down by the river and our ground down there, fortunately, our cousin likes to put out a food plot that's out into the trees away. So the deer stay in that usually um, and don't eat our actual field corn as much. But yeah, the outside few rows, even on our field corn, just about every year we lose them. I I made it's funny that you called today, too, because just a, a day or two ago, I made the comment that, hey, we do have a lot of insect problems and I worry about things like corn rootworm. But I, I got to be honest, deer take a lot more of our crop every year than any insect on our farm. So we're in the same That's boat what as I you. Heard yesterday. Yep. Yes, sir. I heard that yesterday on your program. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I even wish. Even though I have a deer problem, even though I have a deer yep. problem, my neighbor, he's planting about 10, 12 acres across the road from me, uh-huh. and they just eat him up. They just, he, did, he didn't hardly make no corn last year from the deer just eating it. Well, maybe you're lucky to have him as your neighbor so they don't need as much of your crop. I don't know. <laughs> that's a point I haven't thought about, but yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Now, 
Yeah. Yeah, I wish we had yeah. some great answer for yeah. you because it is an issue all across our country, really all across the world, where we have to worry about right. these. We're going to call them pests out there because, yeah, I, I mean, deer can be a real problem. So I guess uh, I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm in big support of hunters that uh, and and more a longer season for hunting deer because it'd be nice to get rid of a few more of them right. around our and place. We're in an area where we hunt a, a good bit. I, I about yeah. quit hunting so much, but I've done my share, and uh, and that's just DNR trying to regulate the population of deer, and that's a good thing. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you something. Sure. When they do nibble on it, my corn's up about a foot, foot and a half now. Yep. yep. And uh, when they're eating on this corn, how far down when they eat it that it really that plant won't come back or really won't produce? Yeah, that's a you great know, question. On the top. Sure, that's a great question. It's the exact same question we're going to get when somebody has hail. And here is the answer. If you slice that plant down the middle and you find the growing point, it'll eventually become the tassel. That's the point. If they eat to that, you're done. But if yeah. they only eat the exterior leaves and they don't eat clear down to the growing point, you're in good shape. So the yeah. growing point, by the way, is going to be below ground all the way until V6. So that'd be about, you'll probably have eight leaves or so, look like nine leaves maybe on the plant. But that V6 stage, that's when the growing point's finally above ground. So, I mean, that the deer would have to eat a tremendous amount. We don't see that commonly. So it's just like with hail. A lot of people uh, lose their minds when they get some hail relatively early in the season and we look at it and we go, well, yeah, you probably only lost about 5% of your yield. No big deal. Right. <laughs> so yeah. the, the plant will recover. Yeah. Okay. Well, I appreciate the information. You I, bet. I didn't think, you know, I've heard all kind of, put some dogs out there, put them on a run or try to keep them out of the hill. Yep. And do all, I've heard the hair <laughs> stuff, throw this, go to the yep. barbershop, get human hair, throw yep. it on the ground. Yep. That too. Yeah, I know. There are all kinds of things. I, I yeah. wish that one of them was foolproof, but, and I'm sure that for any of these things that you've heard before, somebody's done it and it's worked. But a lot of times what happens is the deer are smart and eventually um, they're, they're going to be okay. It's just like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But uh, yeah, the, the deer can be a real problem and they seem to be growing in numbers, especially around some of the the cities. We had a guy call in from up in uh, in Canada just the other day, and said, "Boy, the the deer in his town, it's terrible." And it's the same thing that we have in a lot of our towns now in the U.S. You can't shoot the deer in town, so we're by a pretty large town, and then they run from the town, going up through the 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 river and the trees and everything else. And we're only probably eight nine miles north of this big town, and yeah, it's just it's solid deer. It seems like. Well, we'll just have to deal with it, then. Yep. They'll be fine. We'll deal <laughs> yep. with it. But I do appreciate the information. You bet. Thanks, Patrick. And I'll pass that on. I'll pass that on to uh, the couple other guys I kind of deal with. We all plant corn. But uh, I'll pass that on. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. Good luck down there. All right. Thank you. Thanks for returning my call. All right. Uh, so we had Geronimo from Indiana call in, and he said this. Uh, he didn't want to be on the show, but he, he left us this note. He said he is going to win his war against white mold, sclerotinia white mold, this year in soybeans. He put down contans in the fall, heads up seed treatment this spring, 
enlist soybeans in 30 intros at 90,000 population. He wants to use Cobra on his beans and also use Endura and Topson and wants to know when and how much of these products he should use. Okay, so Geronimo, there are a couple other things that I would mention. Check your soil manganese levels. That's something you can do in the future. You want to have really good manganese levels. Make sure you're running a Malik 3 test, and you'd like to have at least 50 parts per million of manganese out there, maybe even 100. Uh, but at least 50, and then you should probably be in pretty good shape on a Malik 3 test. Pick a more tolerant seed variety. You didn't say anything about the variety you planted, but there's a definite difference. I realize there's no resistance to, with any variety, but there certainly are more there is a tolerance level and you want to pick the ones that are the best. So that makes a really big difference. Another thing you could do real early post that will do is spray like Warrant Ultra or Anthem Max, getting one of the group 15s and a PPO out there. I'm not going to say it shortens the beans a lot, but it does seem to shorten them just a little bit. Uh, and, and that a lot of times can help with this white mold thing. Okay, in terms of Cobra, six ounces is all you need. Costs somewhere around five bucks. You want to spray that right before flowering in soybeans or maybe like when you see the very, very first flower in the field. You're not technically at R1 yet. So that's pretty much when you want to spray that six ounces of Cobra. So that's roughly a half rate. In terms of fungicide, we like Endura first. You want to spray that at R1, at full R1. So once every plant pretty much in the field has a, a flower or two on it, 11 ounces of Endura, it's really expensive. It's like 45 bucks an acre. So we only spot spray that on our farm. And then after that, we'll usually spray all our fields with something. Let's say it's Preaxor or Delaro or, I mean, just some product that's got some activity in white mold, maybe not the greatest. Uh, but but then we go back to spot spraying in our areas where we're really concerned about sclerotinia white mold with Domark at 5 ounces and Topsin at, at 20. Those are the full rates of those products. That combination together, you're only going to spend about 15 bucks. Uh, so that's what we would suggest you do. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition N Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Nothing gets a better view of your crops than your pivot. Plant Insights powered by Prospera transforms your center pivot into a crop health monitoring machine. Be one of two growers to get Plant Insights on your farm with a free one-year subscription. Enter to win at agtechonthefarm.com. With Plant Insights, you can see everything your pivot does all season long, from emergence to pests, weeds, and disease. Enter today at agtechonthefarm.com. With Plant Insights, you'll walk away a winner. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. 
You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Get uniform control in your fields with trusted, hardworking Lucento fungicide. Control the toughest diseases with a dual mode of action fungicide that consistently outperforms the competition and field trials. Lucento fungicide from FMC works overtime for lasting control to help improve crop yields. Talk about getting the job done. Visit your FMC retailer or lucento.ag.fmc.com for hardworking control in your fields. Always read and follow all label directions. Learn on the job with the CNB Apprenticeship Program. Through in-person training and on-the-job experience, this unique opportunity gives you the chance to learn advanced ag diesel technology without the traditional technical school format or expense. Learn more at cbequipment.com careers. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, along with my brother Darren. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We've been talking about pasture management and a variety of questions. Uh, just a little bit earlier, we were discussing this deer issue, and so I, I went back to my notes because we had last year on the show a wildlife specialist from North Carolina call in, and he said that he's actually had good luck using coyote urine he said they're paying about forty dollars a gallon for it they only use two to four ounces of it per gallon of water that they spray it usually lasts two to three weeks or until a big rain and it's actually worked pretty well so anyway i just wanted to pull that up in my notes all right uh we're going to go back to the phone lines here get travis calling in from north carolina hey travis how are you pretty good man how about yourself awesome so i hear you're looking for a residual herbicide Yes, I'm looking for a residual. Uh, like I was telling uh, the lady before, I am a farmer, but it's goats, chickens, and uh, not a lot of crops other than small gardens and stuff like that. But sure. I'm also a landscaper. Okay. And um, I have a lot of clients that have beds that need mulch, but they don't spend the money for mulch. <laughs> yep. And it's very time-consuming. Yep, yep. Um, so... I need something uh, with some type of residual, just like your regular uh, 43% glyphosate. Yep. Uh, something that's going to give me a little more residual that I can spray. Um, I, I have sprayed RM43, uh, but that's like a total kill. Oh, uh, so. Slimes. I'm not sure if you're. By, to by total kill, do you mean like a ground sterilant? It's pretty much a ground sterilizer. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. How about trifluralin or pendimethalin? So we would often refer to those trifluralin as treflan or pendimethalin as prowl uh, in our in our crop fields. But both trifluralin and pendimethalin are labeled in a bunch of 
uh, landscape type situations. So, I mean, there are certain plants that it's not going to have any negative activity on. So, hey, like flower hey, gardens and things like I that. I just going to put so, Brian, RM43 is glyphosate plus imazapir that we were just talking, Brian and I were just talking about Arsenal. imazapir this morning. So, yep. Ground sterilant. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and the thing is, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say scared, but I'm just a little leery sometimes spraying around trees and stuff because I know if there's a open root system, it can get in the, in the, the tree itself and kill that. Um, and it's pretty powerful stuff from what I've seen and, and heard. Correct. Yep. Yes, it definitely is. So anyway, th- those would be our best suggestions for you. It's trifluralin, it's pendimethalin. Uh, once you get into, let's say, lawns and things like that, you have a couple more options. Uh, so we've been talking to a lot of people recently about tenacity. That's uh, that's the same thing as Callisto that we use out in corn. It's an HPPD. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I mean, when you start talking, let's say it's flowers, garden, that kind of situation, it's usually trifluralin and pendimethalin, and you can look on the labels and see which plants it would be labeled for and which plants it would kill because I, I i mean there there's a big list on on both ends but those are the two most popular okay so trifluralin and pendimethalin yep 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 so trifluralin and those, pendimethalin and in my uh from my spray pool. okay okay right, that sounds good all right well good hey luck guys, to you i appreciate you guys so much you're awesome to listen to and thank you for the info awesome you bet thanks all right, Darren. Ready for another question? Yep. Okay. Fire away. Uh, I get this one from Dean. He's over in Minnesota. And he said, guys, we've got potatoes that have emerged, but now we've got thistles in there. And when I look at all the different herbicides labeled for potatoes, I don't really see anything for post-emerge control of thistles. Am I stuck to just do that in the fall with Roundup or with Roundup before we plant, or how would you go about a thistle problem in a potato patch? Yeah, Roundup is what I would suggest before emergence. Otherwise, at the end of the season, that would be just fine. So post-emerge products labeled in potatoes, we talk about things like dual matrix, metribuzin, potentially, Uh, you got to be careful, Uh, select, post, so... I mean, even the priests, you got Chateau, which is basically the same thing as Valor, Lorox, Outlook, Reflex, Sonaland, Sulfentrazone, that's authority, uh, Zidua, Metribuzin, Eptam. I mean, they're, they're, they're just nothing. So it kind of reminds me of corn prior to when Stinger came out, and then a few years later, Roundup Ready crops were, were approved. So it's just, it, it, it's hard. But our suggestion for you is, Get it in the other crops because a lot of times what we find is people rotate away. Now, if it's just a, a garden, if it's then just maybe a garden, put down paper or something. Put put something down. Put a tarp down other than just cut holes where you're going to have your potatoes in and yep. choke everything out that way. Sure. That's another alternative. Yep. Yes, that that's a good idea. Otherwise, you otherwise, move it around. Otherwise, you just go in and hand spray one thistle plant at a time. Give right. them a good dose of Roundup. Let it go down yep. through the root system and be done. Yep. Yep, that's what I would do. If it's a real small area, well, we were just talking about that with some plots we have on the farm. Six acres, and our our research lead, Glenn, he's like, well, you know, is this going to be good enough? And I go, Glenn, worst case scenario, we got some labor around here. We got some kids. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, let's put them to work. It's only six acres. It's not that big a deal. Darren and I used to walk a thousand acres. So to walk six, I'm not that concerned about it. So yeah, very worst case scenario. You go out there with a hoe continually over the course of the summer, or like Darren said, you just spot spray a little bit of Roundup, just squirt the Roundup on the actual thistle, be careful, and then you're done. All right, thanks for the question. Uh, this one comes in from Troy over in Wisconsin. He said, guys, I'm not a farmer, just uh, somebody that enjoys planting two or three acres of sunflowers just for fun. Uh, I'm having trouble with weed control, though. Just I want to have a great, clean-looking field. And I'm just wondering, what would you guys do for weeds, insects, and diseases in sunflowers? Well, it depends on what insects and diseases are going to show up, but let's put it this way. Um, you know, when you're only talking two or three acres, I don't know how much trouble you want to go to in doing this. Otherwise, you're back to what Darren and I were just talking about with hand weeding every week or whatever, like we used to do in soybeans. But with sunflowers, the, the best thing you can possibly do is put down a yellow. So that'd be either prowl or trifluralin. And then you follow, or even sonalan, it'd be better than both of those, but put one of the yellows down. And then along with that, you put Spartan out there. That's the same thing as authority that we use in, in soybeans. So it's a yellow plus Spartan. Now, you can put a group 15 out too, something like Dual. So there are a lot of people that will use one of the authority combination products containing Dual that, uh, that you could use in sunflowers. Post-emerge, you have nothing other than grass control. Um, there's just nothing post-emerge. So clethodim would be very inexpensive grass control post. But quite frankly, if you do either a yellow or a group 15, plus you do Spartan, you're you're going to have your weeds under great control, I would assume. In terms of disease, you know, there are a lot of people that will end up spraying uh, a combination fungicide. You can just talk to your agronomist or Talk to somebody in your area about what they yeah, have. There are a lot of products And that's something labeled. where there could be, uh, say there's a custom applicator nearby you or a yes. farmer, and they say, hey, I'm going to go spray fungicide on my crop somewhere. Well, great. Can you spray mine too when you're doing a fungicide? Yep. And with insects, you just have to scout. And when you see you have harmful insects, that's when you get it addressed. Now, you could use something like Capture LFR at planting time. But here again, I mean, when we're only talking two to three acres, I don't know how much hassle you want to go through. But there are some people who will do that. Otherwise, they just scout and spray accordingly. Okay. I had a question just came in from Glenn. He said, hey, guys, I'm up in Manitoba. I'm just wondering your opinion on broadcasting versus banding nitrogen. Do you think the efficacy of broadcast urea treated with a stabilizer using Super U is effective as yes. uh, or close regarding losses as banded urea? Well, by banded, are we talking subsurface band or, or on top of the ground? Well, let's put it this way. Let's say it was on top of the ground. I don't think it's going to make a lot of difference. Subsurface, then you're protected because, I mean, the stabilizer or controlled release N or any type of nitrogen like that, it, it, it'll only last so long. It's not a complete miracle product. It's not going to sit out there for three months with no rain. So if you only have to worry about, oh, I'm not going to have rain for maybe a couple weeks, all right, it's probably not too bad. But, boy, if it's any longer than that, I'm really worried, and I'm you're going to be way ahead if you can get that nitrogen in the ground to start. 
had a comment that Steve had called in and said, just spot spray around your landscaping. Put a large bottle around the plants with the top off, then you can spray within the bottle, that kind of thing. Yep. Hey, it works Hard good, or you could use a, a big piece of cardboard. I've seen people do things like that to keep it away from a young tree or yep. a landscaping plant, something yep. like that. So lots of different ways to do things. Thanks for the feedback, Steve. We appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. 